0: Hey, this is Kelly from Civil War, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious
1: Podcast. How are you doing?
0: Doing great, doing great.
1: How about you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are things over in uh, Sweden? They starting to bellow out uh, well, a bit.
0: I actually live in Belgium. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think in in Sweden, it's been pretty calm for quite a while. They've been uh, practicing uh, social distancing for a thousand years. So
1: So Europe is pretty much back to uh, being open. I see with all these festivals and stuff, that's got to be pretty nice, right?
0: Yeah, that's a big relief. I'm really glad for people to get out there and connect again and hear some live music and start to get uh, some semblance of normality back. Yeah.
1: I'm jealous of oh, my timeline is filled with all these feeds of everybody at Hellfest and at grass pop and all these places. And I'm like, God damn, I wish I was there. Yeah. Yeah. They're rocking out out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to see everybody and uh, all of them having a good time and thousands of people everywhere. I imagine the energy is pretty crazy too, right? Cause everybody's been locked up for so long.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. It's just like a, a bonanza, you know, of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, good, good vibes out there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Back with your family. You haven't seen in two years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The metal because clan,
0: the biggest clan in the world. Yeah, you know? it's, it's, it's amazing weird. To think that. You know, when I was a teenager, uh, I was, uh, you know, uh, you know, there was a big, uh, you know, uh, the big problem is everyone thought we were like a devil worshipers, you know, and, and all of this stuff. And uh, it was so ridiculous in the eighties. Yeah. And uh, and now to see that the, the clan is so strong all over the world, we're literally the biggest clan that there there ever has been.
1: And I don't think you find that in any other genre of music or any other genre of anything. It's just like, you can go to a metal show. I can just show up in uh, Belgium. And it's just like, I've met people for the first time, but we have something in common. You bond over the riff and the lifestyle and it's, it's like your long lost yeah. friends. No other music has that. Yeah, no other culture has has that. It's yeah. pretty wild. And you yeah. mentioned the uh, the 80s and the whole devil thing. It's funny you said that because I grew up in a very religious upbringing here in, in New York. And, you know, they used to burn records and it was that whole satanic panic thing. And it was so crazy to to even like think back <laughs> on it now. It was nuts.
0: It was so ridiculous. You know, we we're just kids trying to find our way, you know. Uh, and As we outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. And we wanted to ask some questions and, you know, and, uh, you know, the greater society has a big problem with people asking some questions. And uh, but it was a really hilarious when I think about it now. Uh, you know, I mean, literally, there was a big problem of like, men, these people are devil worshipers. Yes. <laughs> just like, Come on.
1: You know, no, no joke. And we'll get to talking about civil war in a second. Sorry, I'm meandering, but you brought it up. But no joke. I mean, they were like these Sunday services, you know, in the church that I was forced to go to as a kid, where they would actually have bonfires, and you're supposed to bring your cassette tapes and whatever you have and burn them because they're evil. Yeah,
0: bring your Kiss albums, you right. know, right? Nights and,
1: Nights and Satan's service. That's what that. That's what it means. Right? You know? Crazy, crazy <laughs> stuff. I don't even yeah, how yeah. we imagine. But you know what's funny? Even all these years later, it's still kind of like ingrained in you. I've spent so much time trying to get away from all that nonsense.
0: Yeah, for me, I you know, when when I was a kid, I, I got into the Beatles and uh, I love the Beatles. It was kind of like my full time job listening to the Beatles. You know, I would right. I would wake up. I would listen to the Beatles. I would go to school and then I would come back home and I listened to the Beatles more and then uh, have something to eat, listen to the Beatles, go to bed, do it all over again. Right. And, uh, and then when I heard black Sabbath, I was like, aha, you know, uh, this is my music. This is the way I feel inside. You know, I'm different. I'm, I spent a lot of time when I was a kid and uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, in my room, uh, trying to get away from the bullies and the, the shitty kids, you know, that were in the neighborhood and, I was listening to, you know, Ronnie James Dio, you know, and I was, you know, uh, you know, drawing and stuff in my room, you know, knights and swords and mythical things. And, you know, that was my, my real escape, you know,
1: and I loved it.
0: I loved all that, you know, uh, right. when I heard Black Sabbath for the first time. I thought like, you know, it it feels like they're channeling some kind of energy, some ancient energy from deep under the earth. It just felt like home to me, you know. Right.
1: So yeah. I got to ask, what's your favorite Beatles album?
0: I don't have a favorite album. I mean, I love Revolver. I think that's crazy good. I love Sergeant Pepper. You know, it's just too much. You know, just like sure. if you, have my favorite Dio album or any, you know, there's just too much. I'm too open uh, and into music to say sure. what's my favorite thing. That you know, uh, I love, uh, I love the the difference between uh, Paul McCartney and John Lennon. I always call it the the uh, sweetness of uh, of McCartney and the bitterness of John. And I love that. I love that. Right you know they they were able to kind of coexist in a band and add those flavors mix those flavors together right.
1: you know yeah. i will say just for me personally the album i spin the most even to this day is revolver that's one of my favorites oh actually i'm i'm lying not revolver rubber soul
0: oh okay yeah yeah right Sorry, it I, doesn't I matter confused. it's just like if you say the beatles you know that the uh the thing that i i think is pretty ridiculous is people that say it's like the Beatles are overrated or blah, 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 you know, today. And it's like, I'm sorry, most of the bands that you like were influenced by the Beatles. Right. It's just a it's, a it's just a fact. Sure. There's no war between the Beatles and the Stones. It's just what you prefer. Right. But without the Beatles, so much of the music that you like would not even exist.
1: Yep, I 100% agree. So anyway, we came here to talk about Civil War. Sorry, I, I got meandering right away. Um, honestly
0: i have time you've got a podcast right it can go however long or you have a time limit we're
1: we're, we're usually around 30 minutes because we book them every every 30 minutes or so just one cool so yeah i'm glad you're you don't mind meandering let's talk about invaders been out for what like five days now what's been the response to it so far
0: well it's been really positive and uh and uh uh, we're really proud of what we've done and and uh i think we've got a, a a lot of good songs on it a lot of uh Kind of, we have some surprises for people, which I think is really great. I'm really happy about that. And uh, yeah, yeah, all overall, uh, Napalm, uh, our label has done a great job at, at, at getting it out there and and getting you know uh, me in touch with people like you, and and it's uh, really going well.
1: Yeah, we're happy. I know the I know the singles that Natalie sent over, uh, "Battle of Life" and "Invaders." I'm just fucking amazed by them. I love it. They've been in regular rotation since she sent them over. Great, great stuff. Right. So I imagine you know people out there like me are just eating it up. So I know you guys talk about history, and it's very much a historical band, but. And you talk about everything from like the Vikings and and Norwegian kind of stuff, but you also have a lot of American uh, history in there too, right? With Confederates and how does that come about? Yeah, well, you know, for me, uh, when I got into the band, I I kind
0: of responded to the overall sound. I like the sound of it. It's metal to me. People call it power metal, whatever you want to call it. Right. But uh, uh, I like the sound of of what they were doing and. Um, I got in touch with them after Patrick, their their uh, previous their original singer uh, kind of left the band uh, out of the blue and and uh, right before a tour. So I jumped in and we did a whole bunch of festivals and, and did all that. And uh, together in that in the meantime, we started to write the, the album. And uh, what I what I didn't want to do is be this one trick pony of only talking about historical stuff or only talking about war or whatever, because that's not my background. Most of my things uh, that I wrote about in my previous bands were Orwellian concepts or inner universe things, spiritual stuff, struggles in your in your life, things that are a bit more non specific. Right. And uh so with the lyric writing uh, that I did for the album, I wanted to take those uh, things from books or the things from uh, historical events or battles or whatever, and turn that into a kind of a more of a personal experience. Have that more from the protagonist view, like put you into that story, right. make it more of a living story than shouting out, uh, shouting out dates and facts at you because I I find that boring and I wasn't interested in doing that.
1: I just found it interesting, the whole Confederate thing because I live in Richmond, Virginia and the actual capital of the Confederate capital, the White House is literally walking distance from my house. So there's a really strong connection. Yeah, Yeah, right, yeah. You know, I mean, I live pretty much right on the battlefields. Oh yeah, that, 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 Gives me a jumping off point to talk about one of the
0: songs that really uh, touched me, uh, Andersonville. Mm-hmm. It's about this, uh, you know, Confederate prison of war and um, and the uh, uh, inhumane conditions, uh, the the terrible, terrible, horrible suffering of of those uh, soldiers. And uh, I got into that, and uh, and I actually found letters that the soldiers wrote home to their wives. These Union soldiers, they wrote these letters. Told them to their wives, and they were so eloquent and so full of uh, dignity and and, and strength. Uh, I was so impressed.
1: It was and, a different uh, time, that, right?
0: That, that, I, I,
1: do what? It was a different. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I said it was a different time there were none of these short texts kind of things. Everybody was really verbose.
0: I mean, these guys were. Yeah, I mean, this guy was uh, like just like Joe Blow out in the out in the field, and he was a, you know, literally a poet compared to the, the the drivel that you hear now you know right. so it was just uh for that uh, that was so touching you know uh, it was so beautiful and uh, and I thought that I would take those two concepts together the suffering of the prison the idea that there's a deadline within the prison that deadline is this tiny fence within within the within the compound and if you touch that fence then the rebel soldiers would would immediately shoot you in the head wow and uh so i took that romantic story of the guy's very hopeful the soldier is hopeful he's going to get back to his wife live a simple life it's going to be good but then after months and months of this kind of horror he just gives up and he runs to the deadline so uh that's his letter back home it's a suicide note right right,
1: the desperation and then he goes
0: yeah. He's just like, I can't live like this anymore. I won't be treated like this. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm out.
1: And willing to give up the, the love of his life or, or whoever he was writing home to.
0: Yeah. Just, just because they, you know, they had just beaten him, you know, with an inch of his existence, you know, and, and that's enough. He couldn't take the inhumanity and the, the indignity of, of that right. anymore. So uh, he, he, just to check out.
1: Yeah. You know. So I'm gonna just tie it into see even modern days. I mean, you can listen to this and you wrote it about the Civil War, but you could tie it into modern day stuff that's going on now, right?
0: Sure. And that's what I think that that I wanted to do is um uh, throughout the album, we have like a Native American thread that runs through the album. We got three songs that deal with that, which I'm a huge fan of, or not just a fan, but an admirer right. of uh Native American culture. And uh And I wanted that. Yeah, I hope that 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 kind of those kind of messages stand up against your oppressors and have, you know, that bravery that 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 you that you could see uh, uh, that they that they exhibited back in, in those days and just kind of take that. Let that kind of seep into your own life, because basically life begins where your comfort zone ends and i uh, hope that that can be by some os- osmosis get into everybody and and uh, kind of kindle that rebel fire you know which uh, I, think I think we is need important.
1: yeah um, i think we need it because we're in a fucked up world no matter where you are in this act
0: yeah it's only getting worse and more crazy uh, uh yeah as we go so uh standing up and and having some balls is is important
1: do you feel a sort of responsibility then when you're writing lyrics to kind of speak to that, or is that not really a thing?
0: Well, you know, I, I can say for like the, the song battle of life, um, the responsibility that I felt, it was kind of, it, it felt sweet really. Uh, that's just kind of my philosophy of, of life is my philosophy. And, uh, It was so nice to put something positive out there. Uh, Normally, I'm in very dark things, uh, very, very dark stuff. And that provides uh, a a hope in a way. But I wanted to be like just straight out blasting some light out there. Right. And that felt good. I felt that for me, the, the biggest responsibility was to make such a positive song uh believable like i meant it which i right. really do i do mean it i want the best for everybody and i want them to fight the right. uh, the uh the, the battle of life it, it's really about the the amount of times that you get back up everybody's gonna have obstacles we're gonna have uh disappointments but you gotta you gotta get back up and I'm a person in the music business, so I, I think I could might have a little experience on, you know, on right. that subject. You
1: know? <laughs> and I also, you touched on it, and I think it's awesome. interesting, you touched on it I think it's interesting that you, uh, you know, you, you went for the, the positive song, but I think, especially in the heavier music and metal, there's a bit of catharsis and a bit of hope in the darker songs, right? Because you can identify with it and you can get your, your shit out there. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, e- e-
1: even in the darkest music, it's really about
0: uh, kind of uh, expelling uh, your demons. You know, like uh, I think of the, you know, depression and bad uh, mojo, bad uh, vibes. It's kind of like crows that sit on your shoulder. But well, when you scream up to the heavens, then you the crows have to fly away for a while. You're free. You're right. clean. It cleans you out. Yeah. This music cleans you out it's and not he, about violence it's about it's about a, asserting yourself you know right that's and what he, it's about
1: even right. on the receiving end i think it's helpful to be able to identify with somebody around the world who's going through the same thing or who feels the same thing and you're not alone and you know we're all in this sort of shit pile together Absolutely. I mean, I think that, that I think that metal has done that the best
0: way that any music or art form has done. Maybe not art form, but but musical form has done is to unite and 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 uh, put people into place where, like, yep, yeah, I get it. I get where you're going through. I went through something maybe non not specifically exactly what you're going through, but I know those feelings, and that's why metalheads bond. We're on the outside. We're questioning society. We're questioning stuff that's going on out there. We don't fully agree with it. Something stinks. You know, we don't like it. And we're all together in that. It's like, I, I you're my brother. I get it. You're going through the same struggle as me, as I am. So we're
1: together on this. Right. We're not going to be force-fed the nonsense just because it's somebody saying it.
0: Right. Yeah. We We metalheads think for themselves. And that's why they called us devil worshipers and all the retarded things that they've said. Right. It's just yes. not comfortable for, it's not comfortable for, uh, you know, people that are a totalitarian or whatever to have people questioning. So it's always call them a Nazi or call them, a, call them s- Satan worshipers or whatever. Right. It's an easy tactic, you know.
1: I imagine that, you know, being the music that you write is is so emotional and, and passionate. Do you get band responses or emails or at a show somebody says, hey, I identified with the song and it changed my life in this way or it did that?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. For, from time to time. I mean, it's only it's really the only reason I have Facebook, you know, right. is so that uh, people can write me and, and so they can have some contact and and uh, and just see that I'm, you know, I'm. I am like them, and, uh, and wh- what I do, uh, I may make a, 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 a terrifying, angry noise with my voice sometimes, right. but it's out of love. It's a love note to them, and, uh, and it's, it's my honor. Every time anyone sends me an email or a message or whatever that tells me you know, that, you know, that they're responding to what I created, I mean, that's my absolute uh, privilege in life,
1: right? It's got to be humbling as well, payoff. right?
0: Yeah, it's a big payoff and it's And it's hard to yeah, it's hard to process, you know, because I'm not Mr. Ego, Mr. Rockstar kind of person. Right. Uh, but uh, but it's a beautiful,
1: beautiful moments. You know, you get those from time to time. Are you guys are you guys planning on taking Civil War out on the road?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, we we hope that we'll have uh, some tour stuff lined up maybe later in the year because of the pandemic. It's been, you know, everything's been rescheduled like three times Um, right now. The only thing we've got right now is uh, Masters of Rock in the Czech Republic, which is uh, really cool. I mean, this is going to be great. The Judas Priest and all these crazy cats are going to be there. It's going to be really cool. uh, something uh, special. It's going to be a shock to play live again because we hadn't uh, played live probably, I don't know, in uh, but two and a half two and a half years, I guess.
1: What's that going to so, feel like?
0: Uh, I don't know. You know, that's the thing. I really don't know. Um, uh, I guess it's just going to go blow by like it was a, a blink of an eye and and we'll see what the what the damage is, but, are you, uh, nervous? you know, I hope, it, I hope it goes well. Yeah. I'm not nervous. I don't really get super nervous about it, but uh, but it will be surreal, let's say.
1: Yeah. Because yeah. I imagine the energy exchange from people like myself in the audience who haven't been to a show in however long it's going to be. We're going to be just as excited as you are to be playing. Right. It's going to be a crazy energy oh, exchange. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, that's what we're looking forward to. Just like those blasting rays, you know, coming at us. Hopefully that'll happen. Yeah. (laughs) So what do you have (laughs)
1: planned after that then?
0: I mean, uh, as far as uh, that goes, I mean, we hope we get some touring, of course, later in the year and, uh, and, uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're fiddling around with some new material and, we're not gonna wait it, uh we're not gonna let everybody wait for this long next time. So uh wanna, you know, get some bullets in the chamber, you know, and uh, yeah, uh, keep going, you know, in the direction that we're going.
1: So you guys did a lot of writing during the pandemic, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was talking to somebody in the podcast just a little bit ago. I think there's going to be like a an artistic renaissance of sorts. That is we're going to be seeing here in the next year or two, because everybody's been locked away, like working on their craft and honing their skills and and writing. So not just in music, but in literature and art. And there's going to be like this explosion of really good stuff.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I think that 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 also uh, on the larger society, there are going to be a lot of people questioning what they've been doing with their lives. Right. Uh, there's going to be a big transition also it, 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 uh, just in the normal everyday life. You know, a lot of people doing jobs that they hate and getting in the car and driving an hour to somewhere you hate. I mean, this is the worst I've done it. Most people have done that stuff. Right. And, uh, there's going to be a big renaissance in that, in that respect as well, but there's going to be an absolute, uh, orgy of beautiful creative things that have come out of this.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's going to be sort of what we're seeing even now is sort of like reminiscent of the late 60s, early 70s, right? Where this music is a a direct response to the political and environmental shit we're all going through, right? The 60s were like the Vietnam War and all that equal rights sort of thing. We're seeing it sort of different topics, but sort of the same kind of thing that we haven't seen since then.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the thing with, uh, with today's culture, with the cancel culture, with, the uh, with all of the stuff that goes online. Now everybody has a, you know, now you have to hear everyone's opinion about everything just because they have an internet connection, right. uh, which doesn't make sense to me, but now, uh the ideas are going to be a little bit more uh, rooted. Those ideas uh, are, are going to have to be camouflaged a bit more. But I think that that makes for good art. Oh, I've, I always loved, I've always loved the, the innuendo. I've always loved the, you know, the analogy, the, the you know, that poetic sense of uh, maybe using simple words to, in a clever way, to get your point across without saying, you know, fuck these this, this right. guys or fuck these guys or fuck, you know, whatever. And uh, you know, I think it's gonna be a little bit more like that. Cause in the sixties they just came out and said it, you know, and right. And we have to go at it in a different way now.
1: But yeah, I still think in the end though, it's like a it can be like a time capsule, right? And it's definitely a response to what's going on. Or at least a lot of what I'm seeing anyway.
0: For sure, it will be kind of, yeah, like you say, kind of an exhibit of, of, of what humanities, art people, um what their response to this, you, right. you know, happening. I you'll think in see, 20 years. Yeah, you'll see it in that. Yeah, yeah in you'll 20 years, people are going to look back reflection. and say, hey,
1: yeah, sorry, I yeah. Am, I'm talking look over you. The,
0: but look at the reflection. Yeah, look at the reflection of what that what that brought out in the arts.
1: Right. Know? Yeah. I think that's where we're at. Yeah. I think it's a good place to be where, like you said, people are putting ideas out there where you can, you know, you can think for yourself and you can, you can change things. Yeah.
0: Right. And, and, I think, uh, in a way, you know, the, the, uh, the big, the big change and the big, uh, whatever, you know, that, 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 that idea I don't really believe in. I believe in, um, you know, uh, like throwing a pebble into a pond and you see those ripples, you take care of your family, you take care of your friends, you interact with them and you say uh, what you believe to them. And then if you're, if you make a good good enough point, then those ripples can expand beyond you. Right. People are not gonna just like straight up, change the world. It's gonna happen almost as if you didn't see it happen. You know, there are going to be subtle changes, subtle ripples that reach everybody. And uh, so I would would say that that's a nice development, really, because when you have to go a little bit deeper, more underground with whatever your message might be, I think it's... it might be even more effective just like, uh, union psychology, the shadow self, for the, or all those concepts, you know, right. where you just get in, get tug at the roots of what the problem is.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, it's so like a grassroots sort of, uh, sort of effort.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh, with metal heads, you know, we're, 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 uh, you know, we're connected we love each other. We're, uh, we're brothers and uh, don't worry about the rest of the world. Just worry about your friends. Worry about the people you care about. Worry about the people that, you know, that are a little bit more in the, in the same boat and kind of think like you. And Don't try to shout on the social media. You're never going to change anybody's mind. Right. Just kind of uh, introduce some nuances out there to get things shifted in your little bubble where you live, you know? Yeah. And that if you want a revolution I you know? kind
1: of circle back to it again it there's nothing like it i mean you know i could just show up in in belgium and talk to a metalhead and we were bonding immediately and it's just something that's i don't know i wish the rest of the world could experience it
0: yeah they just don't have it they just don't have it because they didn't uh, get uh they don't get knocked on the head and they don't get uh you know they don't get the same uh, uh amount of uh, shit shovelled at them as we do but it's worth it, you know, I 100% and agree. I I think right the world
1: would be different if there was uh, if more people got it.
0: You know, I think it's great. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, metal should be more popular. You know where metal metal belongs? Underground. It belongs exactly where it is. Right. Uh, there's so many of us. What, how can you say it's not popular enough? Right. Just because the mainstream media is not talking about it or playing us on the radio doesn't mean that we aren't strong. That we're not represented. Just have to be not so lazy and go look for it, and you will find. You will find it. It's everywhere in every country. There's there's a, you know kids in like Baghdad. You know that like that literally can be killed. For playing metal and those badass guys, they have a practice studio and they put on little concerts and stuff. Yep. I mean, it's just insane, you know. That this is so amazing and inspiring. I mean, they can literally be sentenced to death for playing heavy metal, wearing heavy metal shirts, yep. listening to it, whatever, and they still do it. Go yes. talk to me about your problems now,
1: <laughs> you right? Know?
0: Hey, so, so we yeah. were hard,
1: you got it. I'm running up <laughs> against time, but this is a great conversation. So I'm gonna yeah. just go a little bit longer. Um, I think every, or every metalhead that I've talked to has like a sort of aha moment, like where you first bought your first record or saw your first show. Like for me, I remember being like a junior high kid and walking into a record store, like it was across the street from my high school and Diary of a Madman was on the wall and I knew nothing about Ozzy at all. I just saw the cover and went, fuck, I'm gonna buy that. And, you know, the first notes of Over the Mountain changed my life and my trajectory forever. It just, like, got in my bones. Oh, yeah. Do you have something like that? Is there an album or a show or a moment?
0: Yeah. I remember. I remember I got my first. Uh, I had this Fisher uh, uh, system, which sounded amazing. Right. Uh, and it had a turntable on it. It was one of those new linear ones where you could just drop it. You know, you have a little, yeah. you know, a little motor and you drop it on the track you know and uh i remember i, I was in california with a uh, vision of my grandparents and my granddad said okay for your birthday i'm gonna buy you some records some vinyl records and i was like oh goody you know and uh and i got uh, we sold our soul for rock and roll black Sabbath, which is a double album of yeah. kind of a greatest hit album, i think and that I remember, and then I got uh, Ozzy's Speak of the Devil, uh, the yeah. the, uh, the live, live, yeah. With Brad Gillis, Gillis on guitar. After Randy died, uh, rest his soul. Um, and I remember my grandmother coming up, and, and she was like, oh, no, this is crazy. You know, the album cover with Ozzy on the throne with the jelly, jelly or Jella, something. Yeah, yeah, with his fangs and everything. And, uh, and she said, like, oh, God, what are you, you going to buy that for him? And my granddad... Was the coolest. I mean, the coolest guy in the world. He said, "Oh, don't worry, man. He's just trying to shock everybody. It's just shock. He's just trying to, you know, be scary and all that. Right. Don't worry about it." And then he, you know, I, I got those uh, albums. And then when I when I heard Black Sabbath for the first time, like I said, it just brought uh, chills to my spine. I said, "Man, this is my music." Yep. And then later, when Ronnie Ronnie got into the band. I think the musicianship and the complexity of the songs and everything just went sky high. It became uh, something completely different than earlier Sabbath. Yeah. And that was this Sabbath. And there's people who love this and there's people who love that. Yeah. I like, I love both, but my affinity for Ronnie, uh, you know, which is my hero. Right. And the beauty of what they created. Heaven wow. and hell is like a, Mob Desert, Rules, yeah. Mob know. Rules to
1: me is my favorite album of all time, I think. I it's love it. It's so movies.
0: dark. It's so much darker than than Heaven and Hell. It's yeah. so dark. But and it's I great love it so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's
1: one of my favorites for sure, yeah. going way back. Anyway, I've taken way too much of your time. I so appreciate you talking to me and meandering and going where we went. Sure, man. It's a pleasure. Man, I hope that wasn't too bad. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I went way over my time. I'm just uh enjoying myself chatting. I'm not- I don't have anybody after you, so I'm all right. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for taking the time again. Be well. Good luck with the record. Yeah,
0: yeah nice to meet you. Thank you, yes, buddy.
1: friend. Take care. Bye. Bye. Out there. Yes, hello there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McLean. Together we host None But The Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen.
0: Bruce and e Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our biweekly
1: episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So, please subscribe to Numbat the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road.
0: Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you.